often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 435. I am your host, Josh Albrecht. And I gotta start working on popping my peas there. I popped a few peas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, back in the Slapbox bunker. This is the last episode recording before... Christmas 2020, the shithole of a year, uh, the uh, dumpster fire of a year, second to last podcast recording before the final one of the year. I don't think I'm going to get a vaccine. I don't think uh, being the host of the Slapbox podcast has made me an essential worker of any <laughs> in any regard, or my current you know day job, but you know, it'd be great if I could get... Uh, get that that would make 2021 a lot brighter i've heard of people i know getting the vaccine because they work in the healthcare industry and uh gonna say pretty jealous pretty fucking jealous pretty jealous and back to what i was gonna say is you know i guess merry christmas since you know it's almost and uh happy hanukkah and kwanzaa and uh all the other ones i'm forgetting about at the moment Although it, this isn't the last episode before Russian Christmas, that happens in January. That is, uh, that is something. Uh, I don't really have big plans for Christmas. Just gonna hang out with uh, my mother and uh, yeah, we'll probably watch uh, Christmas Vacation, which we've done uh, now several years. It's been kind of a tradition for us to watch the the old Chevy Chase classic. Christmas Vacation. You know, back when uh, Randy Quaid just acted crazy in movies. Before he became legit crazy in real life with the Star Whackers and all that good stuff. Good, good stuff. I still kind of wonder, like, maybe it is an act. But I also feel like it's a Michael Jackson situation. Not that I, you know, I'm not saying Randy J- Randy Quaid was a Jackson. Not the guy from American Idol and uh, Journey, but <laughs> Randy Quaid. <laughs> uh, not saying Randy Quaid's molested children. That's that's not it. I mean, he's, he's fucking legit crazy, but... Uh, the whole <laughs> now, now I've got crazy Randy Quaid stuck in my head, but I f- feel like you know Michael Jackson used to play up to the fact that he was nuts and everything, and like he would leak stories to the press and that he slept in a hyperbaric uh, chamber or whatever you call those things, uh, and uh, all kinds of weird, crazy shit, just because he liked building uh, a mystique to uh, or just you know the bizarre stories to him, and then he you know there was the whole child molestation thing but then it was like he f- fucking had Dr. Conrad Murray injected him with the uh, anesthetics and all that uh, it, it got real crazy it got real fucking crazy but anyway yeah we're gonna watch Christmas Vacation as we do and I think I might go for a drive cause as of uh, Monday I talked about it last week uh, purchasing the uh, Mini Cooper I will get it Monday, so unless something happens, uh, don't want to jinx it. But uh, it should be on the way Monday. I mean, my loan and everything, all all good, all good. I'll have seven days to try it out. As, uh, as I think it was a four hundred fifty dollar fee for the delivery fee to get it, and uh, the cars originated. The last owner was in California, so I'm guessing the cars probably started in California, although I could pick it up for free in Kansas City, so maybe it was just sitting in Kansas City. Not really sure how Carvana works exactly. Uh, but yeah. So that, that'll that be exciting. Maybe uh, before we see Christmas Vacation, I'll go for a drive. I think for around here, on the old Washington, Missouri, I would uh, probably hit up uh, Old 100 to tea, get some back roads. I mean... You know, minis are known for uh, the uh, handling they often refer to them. It's like driving a go-kart. And I like cars with really good handling, so that I want to take in some windy roads. And, you know, it's got that turbo, so, you know, maybe I want to open it up a little bit. Open up a little bit. <laughs> a 
by you know Wednesday Thursday I, I should be feeling pretty confident I think for driving it I imagine I'll get a little bit of time and I don't have a whole lot of time as I'm working a lot of fucking hours and still uh, coding learning some react the uh, JavaScript framework that's a popular one made by Facebook that a lot of a lot of places are using that but but yeah I think uh, I think I'll be test driving you know some roads out there. Got to make sure I know if I like it in those seven days. Although, I better be careful. I better be careful. You, if you go over 400 miles, it's yours. You can't trade it in. <laughs> so, I have seven days where I can't drive over 400 miles. So, I guess I'm not driving to Chicago. Although, I mean, it's we're two hours away now. This is Saturday as I'm recording this. Powerball uh, drawing is two hours from now, so... You know, if if that happens, then I'll probably at least drive to Kansas City. <laughs> so, you know, I win the Powerball. I might drive pretty far with it. So that'll be interesting. Which would be convenient. I mean, I wish I already knew already. Because then I could, <laughs> like, I would care about paying the fee at that point. Uh, but, like, Kansas City is also where the Powerball office is. If you want, if for Missourians, if they win Powerball, you go. You have to drive to Kansas City. So, I mean, I could kill two birds, one, birds with one stone if, if that happened. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I don't trust my car making it to Kansas, Kansas City, though. Making that trade in could be a little rough if I drive all the way to Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a fun drive back. You know, since I haven't driven a stick all but uh, twice in my life, and the last time was over a decade ago. So, I mean, that would be driving back from Kansas City. That would be a a fun stuff. But, you know, I'd be so jacked. So jacked. If I had a little bit of cash in my pocket, you know, I'd be like, ooh, yeah. I don't care if I blow out the clutch in this already. You know, I could afford, afford a new one at that point, maybe. Like, I wouldn't want much. I'd get a, a new Mini Cooper, uh, a, an okay house, you know? Some more guitars, probably. I could, okay, I'd splurge on some guitars. I'd probably get me a Gibson of some kind, a nice Gibson. Maybe I'd see if I could, if I really wanted to splurge, I'd see if I could nab one of those uh, Adam Jones signature play, uh, deals. Get one off of Reverb, but uh, that seems risky. Probably some fakes out there. Man, those are pricey. I'd like a good vintage sunburst, though. That'd be great. Les Paul. It's good stuff. Sunburst, I mean uh, silver burst. Uh, but, yeah. that uh, Still looking forward to the old Mini Cooper. As, uh, man, I would <laughs> I never vacuum out my car or anything. I went to... I live right next to a car wash, which I've never fucking used. Um, but I needed to vacuum out the car. I didn't want to trade the damn thing in with being like filthy and everything. I wanted to clean it up a little bit. So I went over to uh, use the vacuum over there and uh, they had the spray to make it smell good. And whew, yeah, I, I chose unwisely. Uh, unlike, I guess, much like the Nazis did in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when they chose their goblet to drink from. They chose unwisely, unlike Indy, when he chose wisely. I, they were, with the scents that you could spray in the car with the vacuum deal, there was three different scents. There was the cherry, vanilla, and the new car smell. (laughs) And I was like, can they really nail that new car smell? I doubt it. I feel like this is probably a mistake. And I didn't really, it's not like my car smelled bad. I hadn't, uh really sweated much in it in a while so <laughs> I was like yeah fuck it let's th- let's toss some shit in here make it smell smell alright and uh after vacuuming it out and uh yeah I sprayed too much of it in there and it's just like a chemical smell it's like it's it doesn't smell anything like a new car it just smells like chemicals and uh I regret it <laughs> I should have went with the cherry or the vanilla I think the vanilla should have been should have been my go to that would have been I would think that would have been a lot better. Uh, now I'm like, oh, I don't want to get my car. But not that not that I want to anyway. I mean, the transmission has been a little rough. 
But uh, speaking of Mini Cooper, I uh, I've also been getting ready uh, to get myself real jacked for it. The other night, I wa- rented and watched. I believe I got it off the. Uh, it's either PlayStation Network or Amazon Prime. I rented it off. I think it was PlayStation Network. I rented it. I read the reboot of The Italian Job, the classic reboot from 2003, I believe. Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, uh, Edward Norton, who looked really douchey in that with his facial hair. But his character was a douche, so I guess maybe he made that a choice. Like, I need to look douchey. His facial hair is going to work. I like Edward Norton, but he did look douchey in that movie. <laughs> I like, uh, and Jason Statham. Seth Green, quite the cast. Most deaf. Uh, <clears throat> Donald Sutherland. Fuck, man. He's not in it long, but he's in the beginning. And uh, I hadn't seen that movie since probably 2003 or four. you know. It's been a while, but I remember the, the Mini Coopers. I believe I saw the original long time ago, but it's been a few decades and so I watched it thinking, you know, like, well, this is going to teach me how to drive a Mini Cooper, right? I'm going to learn how to do it. And if you're unfamiliar with the Italian job, the reboot, that is, uh, in the reboot, it's, they start out, spoiler alert, <laughs> like Donald Sutherland is working with uh, Mar- Mark Wahlberg, and it's like Donald Sutherland's last heist. And uh, they, they, uh, it's they're in Italy, and uh, Charlize Theron's uh, Donald Sutherland's daughter, and he, uh, um, Donald Sutherland's character, uh, just got just gets out of jail. He's telephoning his daughter, and just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna pick you up a real nice necklace and everything, you know. And then yet she finds out like he's going for another heist, like you know what the fuck, man, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it goes up like they did it. It's the Italian job. They're in Italy and they pull off this heist of these gold bars and the climactic events that set the real, uh, conflict of the movie up is happens in that early part of the film where they get these gold bars very early in the film. And, uh, it could, they get it. They're in Venice, they get the gold bars, and then Edward Norton double-crosses him and kills Donald Sutherland, tries to kill everybody else, and fails. Mark Wahlberg, Statham, everybody else, they're good. They survived. And then uh, the rest of the movie's not in Italy, which is funny, because like if you watch the original, the, the main heist of the movie is in Italy. Now in the reboot, it actually... Uh, the the Italian part is only at the very beginning, which I I, f- I think the pro they probably looked at it a logistical thing. It was probably real pain in the ass to film in Italy, probably more expensive, uh, or at least maybe it was just more of a pain in the ass because they had to get people to travel there. I don't know, but they shot most of the movie in L.A. and that's where you get to see the Mini Coopers. That's the exciting part. And I was waiting for it. Like, oh, it takes a while to get to the Mini Coopers. It's not until you see Charlize Theron driving that you finally see a Mini Cooper. It's the old Mini Coopers. Old school. And uh, I was like, ooh, that's exciting. I, I did, I, my heart got a little uh, little pep to its step once I saw her uh, driving that. I was like, yeah, that's nice. That's hot. And then eventually they get the... Uh, like the the rest of the movie, the the plot is like they're trying to steal the gold bars back from Edward Norton, and of course they use the Mini Coopers to uh, transport the gold in, which is something they did in the original film as well. And uh, there's uh there's some good scenes there with Mini Coopers, and they're all driving downstairs and everything. As I'm watching this, I'm like, there's no fucking way you could do that with a Mini Cooper. Like you'd have to support everything underneath so much like if you're gonna drive they had to really <laughs> do some stuff to those mini coopers to be able to survive going down all those steps because there's nothing but plastic underneath that radiator and i mean shit's just like you drive down a set of stairs they're low to the ground 
It's gonna fuck him up. It's gonna fuck him up. And I'm watching him like, fuck, I shouldn't. I should not watch this and as a guide on how to drive a Mini Cooper. This is a bad idea. <laughs> Very bad idea. Although the storm drain looked kind of fun. <laughs> Driving in a storm drain. Um, but I watched all of that and then uh, I had to rent that. I didn't find a streaming service that was playing that one for free. But Amazon Prime, however, did have the original Michael Caine Italian job and Michael Caine. I can't do a very good Michael Caine other than maybe his last Kai. No, no. I, <laughs> I should probably work on that if I'm going to attempt to do that. Anyway, <laughs> so I was uh, watching that one and I'm like, man, it's a from 1969, so it's a totally different movie than the reboot. There's there's not a whole lot that's like the same about it. the Charlie character. Uh, I guess Michael Caine's character is Charlie. And I don't remember if that's, I don't think that's Donald Sutherland's character in the uh, the reboot. I think Charlie is Mark Wahlberg, but there's no father figure that dies in it, like Donald Sutherland's character. It's just Charlie's in jail, <laughs> and there's this mafioso that's uh, running the show in prison that uh, Charlie, Michael Caine's character, goes and does this job for. Well, he decides he's going to go rob this gold through something. Like, I don't know. It's a little confusing watching the original. Like, following the storyline on that's a little rough. There was a guy that had the job already set up, but that was murdered by the mafia there. And uh, he still wanted Charlie, even after he knew that the mafia was going to kill him, this guy. And he sent a video to Charlie to say, like, you need, still need to do this and everything. And I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's an entertaining movie. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely a 60s movie. It's a you know, Michael Caine, a very young Michael Caine. Uh, <laughs> as I butcher another impression of him. Um, but there's definitely, I think there's more footage of Mini Coopers in there, but it is the old Mini Coopers. Like, you get in the reboot, it's the first gen of the BMW-owned Mini Coopers, I believe. I think that is what that works out as like the newer models of the the minis whereas you know <clears throat> when it was the I, I believe Aston Martin I talked about it in the last episode I think it was Aston Martin originally owned mini but uh, <clears throat> drinking some uh, hard cider it's the Stella Artois or however the fuck you pronounce that. The European style cider. And I don't know, it's just... It's like champagne to me. I'm okay with champagne, but it's no Angry Orchard. And fucking, I cannot get Angry Orchard right now anywhere. And I really love me some Angry Orchard. It's a damn shame. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, Italian job. Uh, <laughs> there was, there's definitely one thing that they really copied in the reboot. Is they really there's a big long scene where they are driving through like a storm drain or whatever you're a sewer whatever the fuck they're driving through and they copy a bunch of that <laughs> it is definitely a longer scene in the the original as uh <clears throat> i feel like i i think there's one of the austin powers where austin powers is driving a mini i could be wrong I know he drew, drove an Aston Martin a bunch, but I feel like he had a Mini at one point as well. Maybe that was Mini-Me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Troy... Troy Vern... Uh, yeah. I think Troy Vern is his name. Mini-Me. Now, uh... <clears throat> it was, uh... Vern Troyer. That's it. Vern Troyer. Another actor and such that passed away within the recent years. Remember what? Uh, it's been a couple of years now, but do not recall. It was uh, man, damn it, damn it, Wikipedia. <laughs> Just tell me. Uh, there was a. Uh, yeah, it's not tell me when he he passed away. <clears throat> <laughs> to say here and uh, 
Wikipedia is talking about uh, Vern Troyer. Uh, oh, that's why, because it's talking about Mini Me. Mike Myers was, uh, did acknowledge that the character was directly inspired by the character of Majai. I guess I pronounced it in the '96 film, The Island of Doctor Moreau, uh, who was the miniature version of Marlon Brando's titular villain character. Oh, not not what I wanted. Uh, that movie's so so. There's uh, that documentary we talked about it years ago on the podcast. And I can't remember the name of the documentary, but uh, there's a great documentary about the making of that movie, and it's so fantastic. I wish I could have been on the set. Just as like a gaff or somebody working in craft service, food service or something, just to see the chaos that was the island of Dr. Moreau. That was fantastic. Oh, 2018 is when Vern Troyer died. He was 49. He, <laughs> uh, man, that was pretty crazy too when he was on uh, uh, Celebrity... Uh, what the fuck was the uh, god damn it uh, the surreal life yeah it was the surreal life on uh, VH1 that was classic shit man he was <laughs> just drunk driving a little scooter Vern Troyer man I can't remember who else was on that it might have been when Balky uh, the guy that played Balky Pincho Brent, whatever the fuck his name is Balky we'll just call him Balky perfect strangers Bronson Pinchot or something like that. Mm. But uh, I guess uh, the other big news is that uh, Mandalorian. I should probably warn you that. Hold on, let's uh, let's do this upright. We'll get uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I'm going to totally ruin The Mandalorian. Season 2, Episode 8. Chapter 8. Whatever you want to consider. I watched it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought it was, uh... thought it was great. They really mirrored... The, uh... The episode... The... Um, not the episode... The end of the episode really mirrored... The end of Rogue One where Vader comes out and just fucking annihilates everybody. It's fantastic. Which I love that scene. I'm a fan of Rogue One. I thought it was a well, very well done movie. I think it was the best of the Disney's uh, movies. And uh, <clears throat> they really did a very similar thing there with the one and only Luke Skywalker at the end, which was pretty sweet to see just see as soon as okay you know, when his x-wing flew up and there's a oh one x-wing oh we're saved when they have all the dark trooper robots that are just fucking menacing as shit just ready to kill the mando baby yoda and uh the two other mandalorians bo katan and i don't know the other one's name as well as uh <coughs> cara dune and uh, there's quite a few of those dark troopers around. One solo X-Wing flying up. And I'm just like, oh, here comes Luke Skywalker to save you today. We know what Jedi Grogu was calling to. And uh, <laughs> I was kind of hoping for some Mace Windu. I was hoping to... I'm excited to see that. I want to see Mace Windu all fucked up. And I love me some Samuel Jackson. So the purple lightsaber and all. I want to see just like a... I want to see Mace Windu go like tap into that fucking dark side after he got all fucked up by the Emperor and shit. I I think that'll be good. Just, you know, Samuel L. Jackson going real fucking dark with it. Mm. Mm-mm. Love the idea of that. But, you know, I did enjoy... And I know a lot of people get butt sore over the whole CGI-ing of the uh, de-aging, as it were, with the... Uh, because they, they did Mark Hamill. They didn't actually hire Sebastian Stan like they were the rumors were to uh, have a Luke Skywalker series, which he does look a bit like Mark Hamill. And he does already work for Disney. Uh, so they did not do that. They brought in uh, 
I don't know the name of the actor, but they had an uh, actor do these the fight scenes and then just uh, put Mark Hamill's face on him and had Mark's voice. He did voice uh, the old fucking Luke motherfucking Skywalker. <laughs> uh, still my greatest shirt that I have is I, what, the one I got from Skellig Michael, and it's uh, Luke Skywalker with the BB-8 and a pint of Guinness. He's holding the pint of Guinness with his fucking... Uh, uh, mechanical hand. It's pretty fantastic. But, unfortunately, the collar got uh, stretched out on me like for in, in the washing machine. <laughs> but uh, it was exciting to see Luke just tearing it up, and he was very reminiscent of Vader in Rogue One. He even did pretty much like the choking thing, where but he like crunched, just crushes the Dark Trooper. Just like, this is the badass Luke Skywalker we were wanting to see in The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. That is what we were expecting to see because that's where it was really leading to when you watch uh, Return of the Jedi. Because at the end, I mean, he's a fucking Jedi. And you just know that, like, it's on like Donkey Kong, you know, after this. We just get like a little tease of it almost in Return of the Jedi. And after just uh him fighting uh Vader and then saving his his father Anakin at the end and uh going through all that, you're like, Oh, he's he's on it now. You can just imagine he's going to like just get all the information he can on the Jedi and learn learn so much and use it and just be strong as hell and the the uh, novelization the EU and everything he was like s- insanely strong and there was that feeling like whenever uh, Force Awakens came out and even when Last Jedi was coming up because at the end of Force Awakens you just see him on the island you don't know anything about him, what's going on and you just imagine this dude's just like powerful as all hell he's been researching Jedi stuff and just like he's one with the force he's gonna just fucking do some crazy shit <laughs> and then Ryan Johnson shit all over that <laughs> he shit all over that uh, he's like oh I'm just gonna force project myself and do a fight where I'm not really there and I'm gonna do a big cop out and um, he's just gonna die and become a force ghost, as we don't really get to see him do anything. But that, the Mando, we got to see him do some shit. Got to see him do some shit. So I'm thinking there's probably not going to be a live-action Skywalker series since they brought the DH Mark to be in there, and that's going to be really expensive to uh, to do that for a full series. Maybe they could have him in a few more episodes of the Mando, but I wouldn't expect to have like him throughout the whole episode. Man, it's it was a really good episode overall though. I think that that might be the best episode to date. I mean, uh I love me some Giancarlo Esposito as and uh <laughs> as him as Moff Gideon and with the dark saber and that whole thing and with the Bo-Katan now. It's gonna have to fight Mando. She's gonna have to fight Din Djarin. To uh, see who can rule Mandal Mandalore, uh, so <laughs> one would assume she's gonna actually fight him. That's what it seems to be like leaning towards. Although they are uh, we're allies, it would appear they're going to fight. And the Dark Troopers, that was a good touch. I I played uh, Star Wars was it Dark Forces, the video game, many many eons ago. Whenever the original one came out. I don't really remember them. I know they're in the game, but I don't really remember them so well. I've played it a few times, I think. And I believe they're also in uh, Battlefront 2. But I never played all of Battlefront 2 either. <laughs> so I don't think I watched saw the Dark Troopers in there. But they were pretty menacing in uh, Mando as uh, the scene where Mandalorian uh, Din Djarin there is fighting one. And 
he's getting his head pounded by the robot, and it's, it appears that Beskar steel is the only thing preventing him from getting his fucking skull crushed in by this fucking big-ass droid. And uh, it's pretty exciting. And then Luke Skywalker comes in and just fucking shreds him. It's fantastic. Grogu getting all excited. Like, looking at the screen, doing some Force shit, trying to communicate to Luke. Then Luke just being just calm Jedi. Just doing his thing, man. Just doing his thing. But I feel like when he did, like, the Vader-esque crushing thing where he's doing, like, the throat choke almost maneuver where he crushes the machine, I'm like, ooh, I think Luke's tapping into the dark side a bit. Hopefully Grogu was not there at Luke's Jedi Temple whenever uh, Kylo killed all the students. Just saying. <laughs> Hopefully uh, Grogu got the fuck out of there. Maybe we'll see Grogu. Maybe he's going to be the future of Star Wars. It's going to be like 100 years down the line. 200 years. Maybe it's 400 years. Maybe that's when he's a teenager. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know, <laughs> but they can see it. he's good. he knows he knows the ways now. Din Djarin's gonna be way dead. See, that's the sad thing, you know. He's gonna obviously live, outlive his daddy, Din Djarin. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't know what to expect with season three. I mean, it does look like because uh, you watch the end. The very end, after the credits, you get some uh, Boba Fett action where they go to Jabba's palace and Bib Fortuna has taken over in Jabba's place. And uh, good old Boba and the uh, uh, the female bounty hunter that's with him. I forgot her name off the top of my head. Um Uh, there was uh damn it <laughs> I'm trying to look what was uh I'll find her name fuck uh but yeah they go to it, Boba Fett goes to uh, Jabba's palace and kills Bib Fortuna and apparently takes over for the Hut uh crime syndicate so I think uh. <laughs> Which is, I think this means that he's going to go back to being like a bad guy. Is what I'm feeling here. As, uh, I, which I felt that, you know, that's kind of Boba Fett. He's a kind of a baddie. So it seems <laughs> fitting for him to do that. Though he did seem to be nice to, uh, Din Djarin. So this is interesting. Um, <clears throat> but I, for the the fact that it's called the book of Boba Fett uh, does suggest to me that it is the third season of Mandalorian because there seems to be some debate over that because Disney hasn't clarified whether that's a spinoff the Mandalorian or it's just referring to season three of Mandalorian because Mandalorian is all about chapters and it's the book of Boba Fett. So, I mean, that does sound to me like we're talking season three of Mando. So, I don't know if it's going to follow, third season's going to follow Din Djarin at all. I'm sure we'll get some, but that'll be sad if uh, we don't see, uh, <clears throat> you know, Din Djarin, like in every episode of the Mando. I mean, I feel like that's, the Mandalorian. I love Pedro Pascal. And seeing him with Baby Yoda, which or Grogu. <laughs> it's uh it's just not gonna be quite the same. I don't know I don't know what to th- how I'm gonna feel about the next season, but there's plenty of other Star Wars things. I think they really did a great job with Mandalorian. It's uh it'll be interesting. Um <clears throat> But yeah, there's the uh No, here we go. This is what uh, Screen Rant has to say about the end scene of uh, the Mandalorian there. After Din Djarin bids an emotional farewell to Baby Yoda, a.k.a. Grogu, 
was taken away to be trained as a Jedi by Luke Skywalker. The Mandalorian Season 2 finale's post credit scene reveals what two of his allies do next. Boba Fett committed himself to helping Mando rescue the child after Baby Yoda was kidnapped on the ancient Jedi planet Tython. Boba had promised the child's safety in exchange for the return of his father's armor, and his commitment to helping rescue Baby Yoda was an extension of that promise. The episode set up Boba, who has primarily been an antagonist in his previous Star Wars appearances, as a man who has been redeemed and firmly believes in a code of honor. Which, uh... <clears throat> you know, I, I guess that sounds about right. post credit scenes uh, returns to a familiar location from the original Star Wars movie trilogy, Jabba the Hutt's Palace, in Tatooine's Dune Sea, Jabba himself met an ignoble end in Star Wars Return of the Jedi when an enslaved Princess Leia strangled him to death. Classic scene. With her chains. During the same fight, Boba Fett was thrown into the Sarlacc pit, I would say unceremoniously, uh, where he was originally presumed to have been eaten by the giant desert creature. But, as we now know... Managed to escape, albeit without his armor, the Mandalorian reveals that Jabba's Majordomo, the Twi'lek Bib Fortuna, took over the running of the palace after Jabba's death. His reign ends quickly after Fennec Shand, that's her name, Fennec Shand, the assassin and gun for hire, played by Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen. Um, hope I pronounced that right. Who first appeared in the Mandalorian Season 1 and returned as an ally of Boba. Season 2 enters the palace and shoots all the Bib Fortuna's guards dead before freeing a Twi'lek slave girl. When Boba follows behind her, Bib unconvincingly blusters that he thought Boba was dead. Earlier in the season, Boba had described himself being left for dead in the unforgiving landscape of the Dune Sea. Before Boba kills Bib... There it is. Uh, the one-time bounty hunter then takes his place on Jabba's old throne. Fennec by his side before the final screen teases the arrival of the Book of Boba Fett. Next year, next December. Uh, <clears throat> so that's it's interesting. It was, uh, I guess they're running the crime syndicate now. <laughs> Uh, it says, what does the, the future hold for Boba and Fett and Fennec Shand? Here it says, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand's skill sets lie in being hired to kill or capture people, so it seems likely that Boba plans to establish his own chapter of the Bounty Hunters Guild on Tatooine, using the strength of Jabba's former throne and the resources at its disposal. Jabba the Hutt was a gangster and a crime lord, and the presence of the Twi'lek slave girl confirms that Bib Fortuna continued his more unsavory business ventures to the giant slug's death. While Boba and Fennec are presumably out to help themselves rather than wayward Jedi babies now, it can be expected they'll clean up Jabba's old operation based on Fennec's freeing of the slave. Beyond establishing their own operation, however, Boba and Fennec may also look to eradicate the remnants of the Empire. When Boba saw Moff Gideon's light cruiser and realized that the Empire was back, he seemed deeply disturbed, even though at one point he was working alongside the Empire. Boba has close ties to the former galactic government as it seized power thanks to an army of clones of his father. Boba himself is actually another clone of Jango Fett. Rather than being his biological son, though, he was raised by Jango and inherited his armor. Jango was killed by Jedi Master Mace motherfucking Windu. The bad motherfucker himself. But nonetheless, he died in the service of the Empire and Boba came close to doing the same. After his years of wandering Tatooine's Dune Sea, Boba may have come to realize the evils of the Empire and to dread its return, which I guess must be the case since, I mean, he was working pretty closely with Darth Vader there, and uh, it would appear you get kind of the impression in the original trilogy, trilogy that he did disintegrate some of the Skywalkers there, like Uncle Lars. You know, they do kind of give you that impression. Uh, so that's that. Uh, you know, he he's, he wasn't a great guy. It would appear in the original trilogy, getting sucked up by the Sarlacc pit maybe changed him. Uh, 
So it's interesting. I do love Tamir Morrison's voice. It is good to hear the old clone voice. It's fantastic. Bo-Katan's ship still looks to me like Darth Maul's ship. Like, I wonder if it was previously Darth Maul's ship. <laughs> Just saying. Just wondering. Now, I know Darth Maul's not going to survive yet again and come back. Because he was killed in Rebels. But, you know, he was killed in Phantom Menace. Came back in the Clone Wars. But I do love Darth Maul. He was the best thing to come out of the prequels. That that was fantastic. The greatest lightsaber scene. And, you know, I myself shit all, all over Phantom Menace at times. But that is the greatest lightsaber duel is right there in Phantom Menace. The duel of the fates. Where you get Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul going at it. And, I, man, I was really excited... I know it didn't do well. Uh, that it it it, it didn't. Nec- I mean, it tanked for a Star Wars movie at the theater. But I mean, I th- I thought there was still a hope we'd see more. But the uh, Han Solo movie or Han Han Solo Han say it like Lando does. Um, uh, the Han Solo movie. Um, at the end, you get to see fucking Darth Maul with Ray Park. Painted up as Darth Maul again. I was like, yes, let's see some live action Maul. Maul that shit up. And, uh, no, it, uh, it did, it did not happen. And it had Amelia Clark in it. I like me some Amelia Clark, so I was excited to see that. And no, it, it, it's just, it's sad. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, that, uh, <clears throat> That that didn't happen. I'm still thinking about it. Getting all choked up because I get more mall. Seeing him and Obi Wan go at it in uh, in Rebels was pretty fantastic. I wonder if in the Obi Wan series if they'll they'll do that live action. But I mean, we've already seen it in Rebels, so we would know how the fight would go down anyway. Um, <clears throat> so it'd be interesting to see if they would actually put that in there, but. Rumor has it we're supposed to see uh, Mando, or no, uh, in the Obi-Wan, we're supposed to see Obi-Wan and Darth Vader go at it. Don't know if it's in, like, just, like, a a dream sequence or, you know, like the... Or if it's actual, like, physical combat. Like, I don't know if it would be, like, a sort of situation... Where, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, where uh, Luke goes down, he's in Dagobah, goes down and fights Vader like that. I feel like it's probably more of that because Vader, as we're supposed to know, that Vader never was supposed to have found uh, Obi-Wan while he was on Tatooine. Which is crazy because he lived right next to fucking Vader's family. So, like, did he not think to look for... Well, I mean... Yeah. I mean... At some point in time, you'd think, like, I need to check out my uncle. Not even to look for Obi-Wan, but... I guess because maybe... He knew Anakin didn't... Like, fucking Tantooine, because he was a slave there, and he... The Sand People, you know, murdered his mother... And uh, there was some bad blood there, so I guess maybe that's why he stayed away. I mean, that that would make some sense, I suppose. So, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, other than that, I, as far as shows go, I've been watching Westworld. Like, I got into it like the first season. I'm like in, getting close to the end of the second season, but I'm like, all right, I'm kind of done with it already. There's like another season. Like I don't know that I really need to watch it. They kind of lost me on it. I I'm, I'm like a completist though. I'm, I'll, I'll muscle through. Although <laughs> I never did get through. Uh, shit, I don't even remember the name of it on Netflix, like The Liberator or or something like that. It's called, and I keep getting fucking emails from Netflix reminding me like, hey, don't forget to finish this show. And it's 
what the fuck, Netflix? You're still getting your money. I'm still paying you. I realize I haven't been watching so much Netflix lately. I mean, I've been watching a lot of HBO Max. And every episode of The Mandalorian comes out, I watch Disney+. Plus. I don't have much time to watch a whole lot of stuff, so... I haven't been watching a whole lot of shit on Netflix. <laughs> but do I really need an email to remind me, like, you need to watch, finish watching this show? Like, if... I was really into the show. I would have fucking finished it already, Netflix. I don't need your shit. <laughs> Stop spamming me with your emails. Like, do they make more money off me watching it, too? I, re- I guess the people, the film people that, that made it, Netflix as a whole, I mean, I already gave them my money. But the people that directed it and made it, I guess would have a better shot at making more stuff if I fucking had the clicks. But Netflix has already got my money. I don't think that the the email's coming from like the director or producer of the fucking show. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe that's who's spamming me. Damn you, Netflix. I I uh Next thing, I don't really. I'm not really sure what else coming out new on Netflix. I know that uh, I'm not sure when season the next season of uh, Stranger Things shall uh, return. But there is a a new level on the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, <laughs> whatever you want to say it. Uh, however you want to say that title. Anyway, uh, they just released a mall level. And it's in the 80s, and I feel like that's very Stranger Things uh, inspired. It's very much like the mall in Stranger Things. I did enjoy that. It's an interesting stage. <laughs> it's a clusterfuck of the stage. It's uh, there's, <laughs> there's not much room, but it's 80s arcade. I mean, that's, that's hitting right in my heart right there. That's good times. When I think of being a kid and having fun. It's like the old pizza places and arcades. I love the old pizza places where they would have the arcade machines inside the tables. Uh, And they would have, like, uh, you could eat your pizza. And, uh, oh, man, here, ooh, ooh. I guess, uh, not that I have room for one of these, but man, they've got some for sale that on the the uh, internets here that aren't too bad priced. The old tabletops. Um, I don't fucking need that, but it's like Pac-Man. But yeah, you just put your pizza up on top, eat your food, play some Pac-Man. I remember there being like a time traveling one. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, I think it was like a shooter or some of some kind. I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, there's... Oh. Nice. There's a, a Street Fighter. Man, this one's got... Oh, fuck off. New egg. Um, It's got Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. Man, how many... F- <laughs> there was just an insane amount of Street Fighter 2s. Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. Street Fighter 2. I can't read that. That's too small in the picture. There's the Super Street Fighter 2. The New Challengers. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I I think I remember that one. And then Final Fight. I can't read the font on this other one. 1944. That was a classic one. Ghosts and Goblins. Some other one I can't read the font. Commando. Commando was a good game. Oh, that would be a cool one to have. That's pretty sweet. That one's uh I say that one was like five yeah, five hundred bucks on Newegg. Uh I did love going to the old arcades. Crestwood Mall, man. The the old the late great Crestwood Mall. Still sad and I didn't go there whenever they were tearing it down. And uh I I should have went there and stolen like a brick or something. That would have been that would have been nice. I don't know where I would have put it, like a fucking brick. I wanted a top. What I really wanted was a tile from the arcade. I spent a lot of time in that arcade. 
And I remember when I was 18, <clears throat> driving up there a bunch, uh, my buddy Carl, and we would go there and uh, play Tech and Tag. And it was fun stuff, man. Fun, fun stuff. Oh, man, there's a whiskey barrel arcade for way too much money. Um, $1,700 right there. What fucking games? Oh, it's got a bunch of old games. Games that wouldn't pay seventeen fifty four. I mean, it looks fucking cool. It's got a bunch of old games. You're talking Frogger, uh, Gyrus, uh, Donkey Kong Jr., Galaga, Dig Dug 2, um, yeah, Miss Pac-Man. So, I mean, it's got a, it's got quite a few games. It looks like a Donkey Kong, something like a prop in a Donkey Kong game. It is a whiskey barrel turned into an arcade game. I mean, shit, if I, if I were to make, you know, decent money programming or something, hopefully at some point I do, then, you know, maybe I would buy it. I hope I would spend that one. I better win Powerball if I start buying stuff like that for my, myself that I'd better win Powerball before I start spending that kind of money on decorative things though it would be cool Ugh. <laughs> now I'm thinking like shit if I were to ever win Powerball like I'd have to go old school arcade there is an episode of Black Mirror there was uh they went to the arcade I don't remember which one I... there was the one they uh they were like stuck uh what i'm not i'm not trying to think <clears throat> oh i didn't want shopping it was uh do 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 uh no that uh, episode there we go episode <laughs> san junipero there we go. That was a good episode. I'm trying to remember what the what the uh, deal was with that one. That one was. Oh, yeah, I love Black Mirror. I wonder when that one's coming back. They'll do another season of that. That that show is fantastic. Um. It says when Yorkie and Kelly visit San Junipero, a fun-loving beach town full of surf, sun, and sex, their lives are changed. Give me a better synopsis than that. Uh, hmm. But yeah, they go to an arcade in there. Let's see what the reviews say. Um, Sleeping Dragon uh, posted this in 2018. A love story that transcends the ages. Beautiful. I had seen the astonishing reviews and had very ex- high expectations for this episode and I was not disappointed. It was absorbing, engaging, emotional, beautifully acted and had a very deep message about love. I do a love a love story. But when it comes to Black Mirror, I like the darker stories. I would agree with Sleeping Dragon there. But uh continue on with uh, I couldn't put San Junipero at the top of my list for that reason but still it is a fabulous watch the pacing and delivery of the story was amazing you were slowly giving what was going on and the ending once reached seemed inevitable beautifully acted visually stunning and as for that music a true indication of how amazing music was back then one of the reasons why the 80s has become such a fashionable era to visit Bravo San Junipero. Now I gotta look up. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do they have to say about it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, whole uh, plot of that one. I remember it being a good episode. I remember the arcade. Um. Oh, there. You know what? Before it's kind of coming back to me. I think they were like both old, and uh, somehow 
was it, taking a drug or something to be able to like go back into like the 80s or something. Okay, I'm, I got the Wikipedia pulled up here. San Junipero is the fourth episode in the third series of the British science fiction anthology television series Black Mirror, written by showrunner Charlie Brooker and directed by Owen Harris. It premiered on Netflix October 21st, 2016. Uh, the episode is set in a beach resort town named San Junipero, where the introvert, uh, introverted Yorkie meets the more outgoing Kelly. Town is part of a simulated reality the elderly can inhabit even after death. San Junipero was the first episode written for Series 3 of Black Mirror. Initial drafts were based on nostalgia therapy and designed as a 1980s period piece featuring a heterosexual couple and an unhappy ending. (laughs) Filming took place in London and Cape Town across a few weeks. Soundtrack interweaves 1980s songs with the original score by Clint Mansell. Uh, It was a good... Oh, here's the plot. In 1987, a shy young woman, Yorkie, visits the nightclub Tucker's in San Junipero. Kelly, a vivacious party girl, rebuffs the advances of Wes to talk to Yorkie. Kelly and Yorkie dance, but Yorkie becomes uncomfortable and leaves the club. Kelly fouls and sexually propositions Yorkie, who declines saying she is engaged. The following week, Yorkie returns to the bar and observes Kelly flirting with another man. Yorkie and Kelly reunite in the bathroom and end up having sex at Kelly's beach house. Yorkie confesses that it was her first time having sex, and Kelly reveals that she was once married. Yeah. But uh, let's get to, uh... Hmm. It, like, yeah, it fr- turns out, like, they're both, in, like, okay. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, there, it is the simulation, but, like, when you die, you can choose to be, like, uploaded to the simulation, because it says here, okay... Uh, during Kelly's next visit to San Junipero, like referring to the end here, Yorkie asks her to stay full time. Kelly says she plans to die without being uploaded to the simulation. Her husband chose the same fate because their daughter died before San Junipero existed. Yorkie and Kelly argue, and Kelly leaves in her car, which she intentionally crashes. Yorkie catches up to her just as Kelly disappears, her visiting time over for the week. Time passes, and Kelly decides she is ready to enter San Junipero permanently. She is euthanized and buried alongside her family, and she happily reunites with Yorkie and San Junipero. So it has a happy ending. You get to reunite in the end. Man, I love oh, I love me some Black Mirror. They've got that is good sci-fi stuff right there. That is like ugh, just. There's some stuff like I feel I like it when shows make me feel uncomfortable. There's episodes that made me feel uncomfortable, like when they could watch people's memories and shit and see like the horrible shit people do. <laughs> like I like the episode too where uh uh they're playing the video game and the two uh male friends are playing the fighting game and they can do whatever in the fighting game they end up just like one's this really playing as a really hot girl and where the other one's like playing as this, you know, Asian like uh street fighter and uh they just start fucking <laughs> and they really enjoy it. Like they both are like, Oh, I gotta fuck but the you know, the one's married and he's freaking out because he's like, I'm cheating on my wife with my like my best friend in a video game world we're fucking each other <laughs> Oh, it's so great. And then they go and uh, fucking meet up and try to fuck. And then it's like, no, oh, no, no, it, uh, yeah, it's not actually working in real life. Like, it's just in the game. I like fucking you in the game. But yet, this buddy tried fucking, like, everybody else and the other people playing the game. And it just wasn't the same. But fucking his best friend in the game. Like, man, that that's some real trippy shit to fuck with your head. Like, what, like, is it, I feel like that could be possible. You know? I feel like that could be possible and that kind of like I'm glad <laughs> virtual reality is not that good yet. I don't want to end up fucking my friend and be like, ooh, do I really? Because I, I don't really want to fuck any of my friends. But like thinking about that and like, and then, but, but like in the game, like, oh, I don't know. We, we, we fucking in the game felt good. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a one crazy mind fuck. And uh, yeah. <laughs> 
It's a great episode, though. It's a great fucking episode. My, not my favorite, though. My favorite still is, uh, it is like a love episode, but there's like uh, Hang the DJ, where it turns out they're also part of a simulation, where it's the simulation, it turns out it's a simulation inside a dating app where to see if they will match, and that one is, is fantastic. But, like, they follow that one. I remember the ep- the plot of this one because I've watched it several times. I'm a big fan of this episode. And, like, they, uh, <clears throat> damn it, I'm going to have to, I don't know any of the actors from Hang the DJ. But it starts out, you don't know they're in a simulation. You find that out at the very end. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they have, like, a, like a widget thing or, like, a, Almost like a pager. <laughs> and uh, it's rated 8.8 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. And it, I feel like it should be 10 out of 10. It's a great fucking episode. Great fucking episode. Um, <clears throat> But that one uh, is fucking great. It starts out, they got the little pager type deal. And it tells them, like, uh, who you're meeting your date. It's almost like an Alexa, basically, that you bring around with you. And it talks to you and shit and it tells you, you're going to meet so-and-so, and you can choose whether or not to look at uh, how long the relationship's going to last. You, It's predetermined who you are going to go on a date with and that you're going to be in a relationship with this person. You might just be on, like, a date with this person, or you might be in a four-year fucking relationship with this person. And it, like, works. It, it does all this stuff, and then it finds out, like, you're matched by, like, all these relationships. It decides who you're, you're one true matches in the end but you it's you know starting out it's confusing it seems like okay how it's like they're forced to do this and then uh the the two that meet up in the first date like really like each other but it's only for like a night they're like oh and like shit you know it was only a night but they definitely had you know feelings for each other but then like the guy and it gets stuck in like a, I think it's three year relationship with this girl, and neither one of them like each other. They just absolutely fucking hate each other. It's 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 beautiful. It's so good, so good, uh, so good. Great episode. Great great stuff. Uh, wonder that was that was in season four. I wonder. <clears throat> new season I got all five on Netflix this is a July 31st 2020 article talking about Black Mirror uh two yeah that sucks okay according to this article maybe they've had stuff more recently but it says, those looking forward to season six, this is, oh, this is what's on Netflix.com. <laughs> those looking forward to season six will be disappointed as the future of the show is currently still up in the air as we'll get into. It's not canceled, but the future is murky to say the least. Of course, the fifth season was a short one too. Uh, <clears throat> it's not yet renewed as of July. Maybe that will change. I love that fucking show though. Oh, okay. It says the future of the series is currently on ice due to disputes and the fact Annabelle Jones and Charlie Brooker have departed an Endemol Shine Group to start their own new company. With Netflix's financial backing, the pair are included in our big list of creators that have output deals with Netflix. January 2020, it was revealed that Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones have departed from Endemol Shine Group, who is the production house behind the show. Deadline notes that at the time they're talking to Netflix about an overall output deal. As of July, Netflix struck a landmark deal with Brooker and Jones, taking a controlling stake in the new company and called broke called Broken Bones. It announced that several new projects are on the way, but as it pertains to Black Mirror, the license still remains at the old company and could remain there if Endemol and Netflix fail to come to an agreement. Oh, uh, so fuck come on, Netflix. Throw that big wad of cash down. Ugh. That, yeah, and they also had the interactive one. So maybe there's another chance that that could happen. 
Oh, oh, I want some more Black Mirror. Give me some more. I need it. Give me some Black Mirror. There's a, I love the really dark episodes. Like that one reviewer was saying, there is that dark episode two with a robot dog thing that uh, had a very feel to, there was a lot of 80s movies that had a similar feel to it. Like uh, names don't really come to my mind. There's actually the guy that directed uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. He had a great film that uh, featured a cyborg that was going after people that had kind of the same feel. I don't know the name of that Black Mirror episode, but damn it, now I need to know uh, the director. Uh, I can't spell Moreau correctly. Um, There was... He uh, had another great... Richard Stanley, I guess, was the first guy, and he did. What the fuck was the hardware? Oh man, if you haven't, you like sci-fi shit and like darker sci-fi stuff. I think that was like his first film, and it was a it was a damn fine film. It was good shit. <clears throat> it's a dark cyborg movie. Well, I guess it's or just a robot because I don't think it's officially a. Uh, cyborg but it's got a very young Dylan McDermott in it he's the protagonist Is he's going after trying to destroy this robot it's uh it's a good one <clears throat> but uh yeah I guess I don't really have much else to say uh Mer- Merry Christmas and all that Happy Kwanzaa uh Happy Festivus uh uh I don't remember the traditions of Festivus. Um, so I got nothing there. Uh, so uh, I uh, next time I will be recording the episode, I'll have a manual uh, that is a stick shift Mini Cooper, you know. So maybe I'll be in more better spirits. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we shall see uh, how that how that turns out. I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm interested to see. Like, I'm going to start out right coming. I, I'm going to jump right out of the frying pan into the fire because they're dropping it off at the house here, and we live on Highway A. You got to back out of the driveway to get onto Highway A, and the driveway is just a big downhill slope so <laughs> I'm going to have to park on a hill and then back up onto a, ho- a highway like immediately so that'll be that'll be fun that'll be the hardest part for me to get over I think of driving the stick because like before the last time I drove it I don't remember being that bad like I, I uh, picked it up rather quickly so <laughs> but you know Backing up out of the driveway at home could be like the the biggest challenge. Once I get it on the road, I'm fine. Shifting gears is not a problem. <laughs> Throwing to reverse onto a, a highway that makes me a little nervous. I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can. <laughs>